Hey team, welcome back to the show. Today it is Coach Andrea and I once again with part five of the female body recomposition blueprint. This will be the final part of the series. I'm really stoked on how this has gone. I've um, gotten a lot of great feedback as far as this being extremely helpful. So we're so glad that everyone has enjoyed it. Um, now, if you haven't listened to parts one through four, I definitely would recommend go doing so just to make sure that again, you completely understand how to apply all of this. In part one, we really talked about kind of the basics of body recomposition, what it is, who is possible for the different types of body recomposition, which is very important because again, depending on where you're at, there are going to be three distinct types of body recomposition. All three won't be achievable for everyone. So you need to be clear on which type is going to be the best fit for you before you kind of start to apply everything else here. Part two, we talked about the foundational principles for a healthy, responsive body. So things like optimizing your hormones, thyroid, and more to get the best result in a body recomposition phase. Part three, we talked about optimizing your nutrition. Part four, we talked about the training side of things. And today we are going to get into cardio and supplementation and how to implement these, how we go about, I'll go about implementing these with the women we coach to help you optimize your body recomposition. So before we get into cardio, Andrea, anything you want to add? Or are you ready to just hop right in? <clears throat> Yeah, I think that just the one quick thing is that we are doing this one last because it's kind of the least used and least important factor. If you really Great have point. the rest of them nailed down, this is kind of like the top of the food pyramid, so to speak. So um, I think that these are kind of the fun things that people like to jump to a lot of times, but really, we really have to have those foundational pieces in place for be really make any difference. Yeah, that's such a good point. It is so common for someone to start coaching and the cardio and the supplements are the two things they're focusing on when all of those other pieces, which are so much more important, I would say this is like 5% of the results you will achieve here, if less. Cardio, maybe depending on how much cardio we're doing, might tip the skills a little bit more for fat loss specifically, but so much really like if you just focus on the first four principles here, we would could get incredible results. Whereas if we just focus on this and none of the other principles, you're not going to go anywhere. So this is so that's such an important point to make very top of the pyramid here. So first, um, let's kick it off with cardio and body recomposition. Uh, take it away. What do you got for us as far as the cardio side of things? Yeah. The first thing that I think is helpful to talk about with cardio is the different types. So um, the there's different energy systems that your body will use. Um, your body can produce energy or ATP in a couple of different ways. One being aerobically. And so aerobically means with oxygen and then the other being anaerobically without oxygen. So think aerobic, long, slow cardio. This is going to utilize carbs and fats for energy. And then anaerobic, this is the higher intensity, shorter burst cardio. So there's anaerobic lactic where that's going to be like a uh, 60 second or a uh, what would you say, like 40 to 60 second uh, burst of cardio that's going to utilize carbohydrates. Yeah. And then there's anaerobic lactic, which is less than 50 seconds or sorry, less than 15 seconds. And that utilizes creatine phosphate. So think like extremely short bursts, a jump, a max squat, those kind of things, um, or like a very, very short, intense sprint. That's going to be that anaerobic alactic. Yeah. And I think the best way to kind of describe this is actually think of, imagine you were trying to sprint as fast as you could. It's really cool how you can actually see the energy systems come into play, right? So that <laughs> yeah. first, that first, like, again, imagine you're just trying to do an all out sprint for as long as you can. That first 15 seconds, you'll be hauling, or if you're like me, you will be like 
still moving pretty slow, but <laughs> for your, um, but anyways, uh, that first 15 seconds, that's really, again, this anaerobic alactic energy system. So again, like basically how your body creates energy, um, this anaerobic alactic energy system, this is fueled by creatine phosphate, right? The first 15 seconds, we're really going. And again, that's where we like have the best power output. Or again, you can see like same thing in like a hard set, right? Where we can really like crank it out. There's not much drop off on our output with those first couple reps. And then like, especially if we're sprinting, you can feel suddenly like, okay, after about 15 seconds in, I really lose that first gear, right? And that's when our body is transitioning over to, okay, we burn through regime phosphate. Now your body's switching over to the anaerobic lactic system, which is really gonna utilize carbs. For the next 40 to 60 seconds, as again, we kind of have the second gear, by like the 45, 50, 60 seconds, we're really starting to suck when like things are starting to hurt. And then we can again kind of hit this final, this like third gear we have, which is okay, we're we're going to our aerobic system, which is again kind of gonna be that long, slow, relatively sustainable pace. And that's gonna be fueled by fats, carbs, and to an extent, even proteins. Like it's very flexible, but also it's basically again like uh, creatine phosphate can be converted to fuel extremely quickly, but it doesn't last very long. Carbs can be converted to fuel a little bit quicker, but again, our threshold for like how quickly and how much we can convert, we're gonna burn through that pretty quickly before again, we switch over to our aerobic system. And again, it is it can go on much longer, right? Like we can walk for forever, well, for a very long time until we run out of fuel, but again, it takes longer for us to convert that fuel. But I think that's kind of an easy way to break it down and just imagine yeah. like what that's like. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so whenever we're talking about, uh, cardio fitness, so think, um, aerobic fitness, that longer, slow cardio, that's something that if you have a high level of fitness with that, it allows your nervous system to get back to a rest and digest state quicker after training. So that means that you're going to have better recovery and end up getting more progress because you're able to recover better. So when talking about aerobic training, um, there, the benefits of that one would be it develops your cardiovascular system, which helps decrease the risk of cardiovascular disease and lowers high blood pressure. So it just makes you a healthier person in general. Um, and we, like we've talked about a ton, the healthier you are, the better you're able to recover, the better you're able to put muscle on, the better you're able to lose body fat. Um, your heart is also better able to deliver oxygen to your muscles while you're training. You're better, better able to move more blood quicker through the body, keeping your cells and health and tissues healthier. And, uh, just like any other muscle, your heart is something that grows to support improved functioning, uh, in the context of programming cardio for muscle gain and performance, it can directly lead to better recovery and more lean muscle from your resistance training. That said, unless recovery between sets is a deficit for someone, then you probably don't need to program additional cardio. They are still going to be getting uh, improved uh, health and cardiovascular, um, uh, cardiovascular health, sorry, from just training itself. So we're usually programming in a pretty wide range of, uh, reps. So usually on the low end, like six to eight and on the high end, more like 15 to 20. So mm -hmm. you're going to be really improving your cardiovascular fitness just from doing those types of activities too. Yeah. Um, between that and walking, 
um, you really are covering a lot of that, of the bases there with improving your heart health without actually adding any additional cardio for that. Yeah. And your heart rate will be elevated so much during that. Even if it's like, like, for example, I have like sets of 10 to 15 split squats and like my heart rate is definitely elevated by the time I'm done with that. But also just like the first time I did that, it sucked. But every time I do it, I like improve my aerobic and anaerobic systems and like their capacities improve as well. So it's become much easier, but go on. Yeah. It's the, the principle of specificity applies there too. Just like with, um, the first time you do a set of hack squats, you're going to be incredibly sore afterward. You're also going to be pretty winded. And then the more and more you do that, the more you adapt to it, uh, both in terms of not being as sore, but then also better cardiovascular, uh, fitness for that thing in particular. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so in the context of programming cardio for fat loss, aerobic work generally makes the most sense. Um, so that longer, slow cardio, um, because that's going to improve your recovery and your body's ability to manage stress whenever recovery resources are limited. So those more intense modalities, the hit cardio and things like that, the, uh, a, um, what am I trying to say? Anaerobic cardio, that's going to create more stress on your body. And we're already trying to recover from resistance training. So whenever we throw more hit into the mix, a lot of times that can kind of overload the amount of things that you're able to recover from, especially in the context of being in a fat loss phase when recovery resources are limited. Yeah. That's, I think one of the most important things to understand is like growth and even fat loss, like stress is such an important factor there, right? It's, you've talked about many times how all of the stress kind of goes into the same bucket that we have to be able to recover from, right? And it's like stress to an extent is good, right? Stress is needed in order for us to grow, but it has to be an amount of stress we can actually recover from. And if we're exceeding our basically stress recovery capacity, we're not going to grow, right? So being in a deficit, that's a stressor on your body. Your training is a stressor on your body. Then if we're adding in like a lot of hit, which is also a large stressor in our body, again, we can kind of tip the scales. It can kind of like be, it can sometimes be the tipping point where again, that's too much for us to be able to recover from and we're actually getting worse results than if the stress was lower. So I think the best way to really understand this is, can you kind of talk us through how you would typically program cardio for a client? Yeah. So like I said, with um, the longer, longer endurance, slower cardio, that's something that it doesn't take as much recovery resources to recover from. It actually helps you adapt and uh, recover from stress better. So that's typically the type of cardio that I'm going to be programming. Um, if somebody is starting from not doing any cardio, then what we'll usually do, or what I'll usually do is program two to three sessions per week at 20 minutes each. So I usually want them to be easy to add into your schedule. (laughs) That's one of the big priorities is because if we're programming 60 minutes of cardio, like how many people can actually find on top of their training an hour to add in on a single day. So I really want to make sure that it's realistic um, because, you know, if it's not getting done, then it doesn't matter how optimal it is. So if we spread it out over two or three sessions across the week of 20 minutes, that's usually a good starting point. That's going to be enough to burn the additional calories that we're looking for in order to keep fat loss going. Um, or, um, I got, I just got lost in the middle of that sentence. Let me start over. So 
we're spreading across 20 minutes each. Okay. I see where I was going with that. <laughs> when uh, it's going to be enough that you are able to burn the calories that we're looking for in order to keep fat loss going, but not so much that it's taking up a lot of their time in the day. Right. Um, and then with that, I'm usually looking for about a 70% max heart rate. And I'll usually just give that to somebody as I want you to keep your heart rate around this many beats per minute, mm-hmm. trying to keep it within like 10 plus or minus. So in order to find that number, you're going to find your heart, your max heart rate first. So take 220 minus your age. So for an example of a 35 year old, 220 minus 35, that's going to be 185 beats per minute. That's your max heart rate. And then from there, if you take that times 70%, you're going to get 130, which is the beats per minute that you're wanting to try and target. So in this case, I would just say like, let's try and keep this within 10 plus or minus of 130 beats per minute throughout that cardio. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and what do you say? So it doesn't sound like it's necessarily like, Hey, everyone who starts immediately, they're going to be doing cardio. How are you determining like when we're going to add in cardio versus you're not going to do cardio? I honestly don't use it very much at all. If somebody really loves cardio and they're already starting out, doing a ton, then I'll usually give them a a number just so that they can keep that thing that they really like to do. Mm -hmm. Um, unless, unless it truly is a situation where I'm like, this is not going to be good for you to have in here. Then I'll say, let's go no cardio. But if, if there's no reason for someone to cut it out, they're already pretty adapted to it and they're doing a ton, then I'll say, let's cap this at two sessions, 20 minutes for an example. Um, so that's one way that, uh, that I'll, program it is just someone that's already loves it and is doing it. Um, another way that I will add this is for someone who is already pretty low calorie and we've determined that we'd rather add cardio than pull more food down. Mm -hmm. Usually that's going to be in the case of prepping for a photo shoot or getting really lean for something. Because typically with just getting lifestyle lean, that's not that's not a situation where calories have to come down to an extreme level mm-hmm. to the point where we can't just control for steps and get the outcome that we want. So usually if somebody is like 10 to 12,000 steps already, then that might be where we'll add cardio. If somebody's below that, then we're just adding steps to get a higher calorie output. I might go up to, I think I've taken people up to 13,000, maybe 14 with steps. That's on the extreme higher end though, honestly. Usually we don't have to really get that high um, before we get the outcome that we want. Yeah, and it's there are so many variables there as well. I think like, I think like right around 13, 14 is the highest I've taken clients, but that's also like always going to be someone who has like a walking pad at home or a treadmill yeah. home where it's very easy to do. So that's again, like, and I know like for like, man, my last mini cut and I'm about to start another one actually for our honeymoon, like my last mini cut I had what 25 minutes of cardio five days a week, 35 minutes, two days a week, and then 15,000 steps daily alongside that. But it's like, I have a walking pad and I have a, like a incline treadmill at home so I can do all that right there. Yeah. And with like the adding cardio, when we're talking about body recomposition, like you hear so much talk about zone two cardio, how it can be, be beneficial for all these things. But again, it's kind of like finding the point where optimal is practical. And for most people, again, 
I think it's typically a little bit less practical for us to be able to add in too much cardio. I find like a lot of people who, who have like come to us who are like, I do my zone two cardio, but it's like, Hey, but you're also consistently missing like multiple sessions per week because you don't have time, right? Like we're kind of missing the forest for the trees here. It's just not as much of a needle mover. So <clears throat> in, in like on paper, I think everybody could benefit from a couple of cardio sessions per week for sure. There are a lot of health benefits and application, typically how it ends up playing out with like, where's optimal be practical for what you can do as a client. Um, typically it's just a step goal resistance training for, and of course, focusing on our nutrition for those clientele who are like when we're in that type of body recomp where it's, Hey, maybe you are building muscle at maintenance or that type where it is again, like we already have a good amount of muscle and maybe we're just losing some body fat. Maybe at the start there, we're not doing a ton of cardio. I would say like that, but then the way, again, we have like that, that type who's building at maintenance. We're probably not again. And it's just, you're gaining more muscle than body fat, probably just gaining mostly muscle, probably not doing cardio there. And then those other two types, even that type who has like a lot of, have the ability to like lose a good amount of fat and build a good amount of muscle at the same time. Similarly, those individuals typically aren't going to need to grind as hard to lose body fat. Whereas it's typically, again, I would say that type of client where it's like, hey, you already have a lot of muscle, or maybe you need to build a little bit more muscle in this process, but we're mostly just pushing to get you leaner to uncover the changes that we've seen. That is typically the person where they're already probably relatively leaner and again typically a much more experienced person where that's typically the point where again like the levers we need to pull like there's more of them to get to and also typically though it's like their physique is typically next level because they have so much muscle um that's i'd say would say like those fat loss phases and deeper in those are where we add in more cardio but again like either of those types with fat loss that's when it'd be more common is like deeper into the fat loss phase when it's hey like we don't necessarily want to pull calories any lower but we will do want to move things along, along a little bit quicker anything else to yeah. add there um, no, I really don't think so because this, like I said, this is really just something that I use so sparingly. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's not a lot more to it than that. I would say, um, once, once we start off with two to three sessions of 20 minutes, um, I might work that up to like four, maybe five sessions mm. with the shorter duration of time. And then from there, I'm going to say, okay, let's take two of those sessions or three of those sessions and up that to 30 minutes and kind of stair step it up from there. But typically that's not even something that we will get to before the fat loss phase is over. So same. Okay. Well, finally then let's wrap this series up by talking about supplements. Uh, what do you got for us as far as supplements go? Yeah. So just to reiterate with supplements that this is something that is sort of the cherry on top. So not one of the most important factors, but when we do have the food already dialed in, these can be helpful. So the first kind of category of supplements that we're going to use are just health supplements. So like we talked about in, I think the second one, um, we want to make sure that your body is as healthy as possible so that you're able to build muscle efficiently and you're able to burn body fat efficiently. So the first one is going to be a multivitamin. So that's just going to cover your micronutrient bases. Of course, we want plenty of fruits and veggies across the day. We talked about the vertical diet principles and having all of those things in. But as people who are training hard and most people have a lot of stress in their life too, the, you're going to burn through micronutrients a bit more than um, somebody who's not active and pushing their body hard. So, I mean, things like 
um, magnesium or vitamin C, like those are things that your, your needs ramp up whenever you're training hard and active. Um, so a multivitamin covers you there. Um, I kind of mentioned it just now that magnesium is another one. This is going to help re- uh, improve recovery and your sleep because it helps get you into a parasympathetic state. And it's also right. something that is burned through whenever you are training hard, you're on birth control, for example, or you're stressed. So right. it's hard to get enough through food. And if we um, add that in through a supplement that helps cover um, your bases there. Okay. Next one is fish oil. So uh, fish oil is another one that is hard to get enough through food. Most people just don't eat a ton of fatty fish. So with, with omegas, most of the fats that you eat are going to be omega six. So like nuts, all like almonds, um, meats, that's, that's going to have a lot of omega sixes in there. And we want to have a good ratio of omega-6 to omega-3. And typically that's out of balance unless you supplement with fish oil or I guess algae oil, krill oil, something like that for omega-3s. And that's something that's going to help improve heart health in general. And then also insulin sensitivity and tissue health. So um, some people will notice like joint pain and things like that are improved. It also helps lower inflammation in general. So that one is super helpful. And then vitamin D is another one. So most people are just low on vitamin D. Even if you are in a place where you do get more sunlight, most people, any, any labs that we've seen, it's very rare that vitamin D is high enough. And that is something that's going to help improve hormonal health and mood and just help you feel better in general. So, um, those four are ones that are the pretty basic health supplements that we'll recommend upfront, um, because they are difficult to get through just your food and lifestyle. And, um, those are like bigger dial movers than other specific, like niche vitamins, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. um, they're bigger dial movers that will make a pretty big difference for a low investment. Absolutely. And again, like that, a healthy body is a responsive body, right? Again, always credit Brandon Cruz for that saying, but it's so true. These are such a good, like the, as you mentioned, like vitamin D is such an important part of so many different bodily processes that, but it's so low for so many people. It's incredibly common for us to see like low vitamin D in someone's laps. These things are again, just like such low hanging fruit that most people can benefit from them. So Again, these are kind of like your overall health and like making sure we ticked all the boxes there alongside what we're doing with our nutrition. Um, what about like intra-workout supplements and like more performance-centered supplements? What are we typically looking at there? Um, yeah, so as far as intra-workout supplement goes, um, we kind of touched on this prior in the nutrition section, but the basics there are going to be EAAs, sodium, potassium, and then a carbohydrate. So uh, EAAs are going to be your essential amino acids. That's going to help delay muscle fatigue, improve recovery because you're supplying the amino acids during the workout while you're like at the same time, kind of breaking down muscle tissue. Um, sodium is going to, so just table salt is going to improve your pump and help hydrate the muscle. It helps draw water into the tissue. And then potassium is also going to improve uh, your pump and hydrate the muscle. That's going to be like intracellular fluid. Um, 
And then Gatorade powder or some other carb powder, that's going to help give you some immediate energy, help reduce the fatigue across your workout and help you just perform better. And so if you're performing better, get another rep or two, then you're going to ultimately build more muscle over time. Um, a couple others are going to be creatine. Um, so creatine is going to provide energy for the muscle ATP. So we talked about ATP earlier with, uh, a lactic anaerobic training. So part of that is resistance training. So this can help you, um, get an extra rep or two or lift a little bit more weight. Cause you have that immediate ATP topped off and available. And so it can uh, help over time with body composition, but also in the short term, it helps draw muscle or draw water into the muscle. Um, so a lot of people will say like, I can't, I don't want to take creatine because I get watery, but it's actually drawing water into the muscle. So if anything, it should help you look a bit leaner because your muscles look more full. Um, and then protein powder, protein, I, this one's questionable if you would consider it a supplement because it's just, it's just like dried milk components essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is super convenient way to get protein. And also it just, it elevates the amount of different types of meals that you could have by so much. So like if you get really sick of just meat or eggs, then having protein powder where you can make a shake or mix it into oats or cream of rice really helps with boredom with your food. Yeah. Such an easy way to increase your total protein intake. And of course, like I wouldn't recommend like 50% of someone's daily intake coming from protein powder simply because like those, like your meats, your Greek yogurt and things like that are going to be such good micronutrient sources. And also they will be more filling, right? So if all of our calories are coming from protein where it is something that just digests so quickly, like from a dietary perspective, like managing hunger will be harder. Um, but it's also like so many people are afraid of it less common, but still like, there's a lot of like, is it okay if I drink like two scoops of protein a day? And that's oh, absolutely right. As you said, it's basically like, it's what they skim off the top when they're making cheese, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. I would consider it more so a food than a supplement, but it's so convenient. Um, but when it comes to a lot of these intra performance supplements, again, we kind of skimmed over this because we talked about this in such great depth in part three, um, where we dug into nutrition and really talked about the intra workout nutrition aspect. Um, but man, as far as supplements, anything else to add before we wrap it up? Uh, are there any others that you use pretty commonly that I missed there? No, I think those are really them. Um, again, like the multivitamin, the fish oil, the magnesium, the vitamin D, it seems like most everyone can benefit from those. Um, with the intra workout, I will typically go to like a carb, a carb source. So again, like Gatorade or a highly branched cyclic dextrin or even like a maltodextrin could be a good option. And making sure that like, hey, we're getting in like a fourth to a half teaspoon of like pink salt with that as well, getting plenty of water. We really talked about like the hydration aspect again and like the nutrition module. Then I think past that is getting into your more niche supplements that we don't need to discuss here, like your like uh like Like ashwagandha or something very specific based on the person's individual biofeedback or results. So anything else would be like just so specific to the person that it wouldn't really help to dive into too much here. Yeah. But I also think it's very fitting that this is by far the shortest episode we've recorded because again, this is the least important aspect of all this. Now it is important. Again, like we talked about a healthy body is a responsive body, 
But notice how like in that module where we talked about how to, again, stick the foundational principles for a healthy, responsive body, the supplements weren't really even part of that. So much of it was your nutrition, your sleep, your stress management. These are kind of like the cherry on top, right? So very important to keep in mind here. This is going to be the least important part of all of it. But as far as the body recomposition series goes, we really hope you all enjoy this. It was super fun to break this down. I'm excited for us to kind of continue to do more deep dives like this, but as of now, this is all we have for you guys on body recomposition. Now, if you've absorbed all this and you feel like you still don't know what to do on your own, or the reality is most people who listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, consume a lot of content on Instagram and kind of try to base their own plans based off of that, still don't feel confident in it, right? It's almost always something where it's like, I put together my plan and then I listen to those other podcasts and I changed it, right? And then I saw this Instagram post, so I changed it again. Or I'm second <laughs> guessing myself, I'm not sure how to know if I'm making progress. So um, I am going to go ahead and change the plan once again from here. So within that, if that's you, hire a coach. We'll guide you through this, give you all the tools you know, your all the tools you need to be incredibly successful here. We have done this with hundreds, thousands, over a thousand clients at this point. We're very good at what we do. So if you want to work with us, the link is in the show notes. But that is all we have for you guys for today. Um Andrea, before we sign off, anything else you wanted to add? You good? Uh, no, I think that this was really comprehensive and I'm glad that a lot of people are enjoying it. Yep. Perfect. Well, again, I'm excited to record more of these. If you want to work with us, hit the link in the show notes and we will catch you guys soon.